0: Of blood spilling, murder rate to escalate the same as the drug Watch dealing Will instead of penetrate, riding on stolen place. Did I mention my city was known for its murder rate? Live right by the Capitol, gangster get the clapping folks. High off gun smoke, my hood full of cutthroats. Oh. Going down the hill like my city was made slow. Gunshots every day, we don't even look. Nah. And dinner out the same kitchen, dope as cook. Gotta I eat. had an appetite for money, I'm hungry and can't play. It's a Golden State heavyweight, riding no platinum play. State to state, crushing gray, something like a winery. Labels try signing me, I'm something like the Dynasty. Mass at the R's, kept the skill in my romery. So i Chase paper, now the players stay out welcome those
1: of you guys tuning in we want to welcome you to the Mudville podcast episode number 5 we thank you for joining us if you or anybody else uh has a testimony or you know has something that that can relate to this testimony leave a comment share this video because i pray that this minister to somebody Uh, well before we get into uh who we have here today we want to give a special thanks for pastor david rocha for joining us uh he's a man of god from the house of rest uh we appreciate his time for coming here some of you guys may know him as sir dino but that's the former him, now he's a pastor, been a pastor for some time. But uh, we just want to give a warm welcome here to Pastor David. So Pastor David. Yes, sir. Welcome. <laughs> thank you. We, we thank you for joining us, taking your time to be here. Yeah. Um, just go ahead and give us a quick intro about yourself, and you know, let the viewers know, yeah. you know who you are and uh, well, what ministry you're with.
2: Um, I've been pastoring in House of Rest for over a decade. Uh, I want to say about 12 years now. Uh, in Modesto, and um, I got out of uh, prison in 2010, started the church in 2011, Nice. but before that I was in the music industry, and um, it was uh, an interesting thing, I'm, I'm pretty sure you want to get deeper into that possibly, I don't know what it, I don't, have, I don't know what your questions are, but, um, you know, just serving God, really, just serving God and, and uh, living life, you know, being a father to my, my children, even though they're adults now. Uh, trying to be the best husband I can be to my wife and Amen. And, and the best uh, example um, of of a believer, of a pastor, of a husband, of a man of God. Because I think that it's important to your your walk to be a whole lot louder than your talk. Amen. And let actions speak louder exactly, than words. Exactly, exactly. You know, but I appreciate coming here. I appreciate, you know, I've been watching the, the episodes you guys did. And it's nice to... Usually when I go on podcasts, it's like in Los Angeles or, you know, yes. it's far away. And for sure. You guys are five minutes away from me. All right. <laughs> you know? yes. So that was really, it was funny because, you know, my wife and I were heading out of the house and we we're driving over here, right here on, on Weber, and we're just like, that's weird, you know? And she goes, what? I said, doing the podcast, you know, five minutes from the house. It's nice instead of going seven hours, you know? Yeah, for sure. But uh, I, I just, uh, I'm really excited what you guys are doing. I know it's episode five. Correct. it's just the beginning you know for it's just sure. the beginning yeah. you know so i just praise uh, i praise god for what he's doing
1: amen amen so real quick just uh
2: let the viewers know uh where were you born uh, i was born 20 minutes away from here tracy california amen how yeah. was your upbringing like um it was good actually to be honest with you i mean my dad my mom got saved when i was five years old i was born in 72 so in 77 my mom got saved and uh, 1980, my dad got saved. My dad was an alcoholic, you know, but from eight years old, when my dad got saved, here's the thing, when mom serves God, that's one thing, but when dad, it changes the whole household. Amen. You know, and uh, so I, I still have my parents, I thank God. I still have them, matter of fact, they attend the church, wow. you know, okay. and um, for for a lot of times people say, How, why did you get involved in gangs? Usually it's because dad's gone or dad's an addict or mom. I had both my parents, you know, and, and I had a great family upbringing. Um, so a lot of times when somebody falls into that, it's not only because of your parents not being there or whatnot. Um, there's other reasons. You know, the enemy's still at work no for matter sure, what. Yeah, no, matter, you know, yeah. no matter what. And, uh, but here's the thing that for me, uh, being a kid in the late 70s and 80s, that's when the whole Chicano lowrider lifestyle was just full blown. You know, and, and that's what I looked up to. I didn't have nothing else to look up to. There was so you were captivated
1: by the culture? There was
2: nobody in Hollywood that looked like me. There was nobody on For TV that sure. looked like me. There was nobody, you know? And the only people that held influence were like the veteranos, the cholos, uh, yeah. you know what I mean? And that was it, and I just uh, got really influenced by that. So were you
1: captivated at a very young age by that culture?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, because I had older brothers, Okay. you know? And, and my older brothers, uh, my oldest brother was 10 years older than me, so I'm like, eight years old looking at my brother, 18, wow, you know, just okay, wearing yeah. Dickies sure. and Ben Davis and Pendleton's and t-shirts and all that. And he actually took me to see Boulevard nights in the theater, okay. you know, and uh, just seeing that I'm like, wow, you know, so in the house was this Christian household, but seeing my brothers, it was just very glamorous to me the way I saw things. And, uh, that pull started very, very early on of mm-hmm. the world, you know, being, uh, pulling me, you know, from one way to the other. And, um, I don't think my brother ever realized how much of that had an influence on me. The way he dressed, he had a lowrider, some of the friends he hung around with, you know, and then like movies like Boulevard Nights, when that came yeah. out, you know, I don't think he realized how much influence that had, but it did. You Is know? your
1: brother still around now? Yeah,
2: yeah, he's still around.
1: Were you able to share that with him? And, and, yeah, and yeah, know you, yeah, yeah, he knows now, yeah,
2: he knows now. Is you know. he serving the Lord? Um, he watches the sermons, okay. doesn't drink, um, doesn't party? he just works, raises his family? Uh, I'm waiting for him to just, just come on into the kingdom, just full blown, you know. On, yeah, for sure. But he lives a, a good life, man. A good, okay. you know, uh, uh, clean life. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Well,
1: our uh, one of our next questions was going to be, when was the first time that you heard about the gospel? And I know yeah. that you say that your both of your parents served the Lord yeah, yeah. at a very young age, yeah. so. Did you experience and hear about the gospel very young or or was
2: it later on in life? I I think I heard it so young that it was just a part of my life. Like, I don't remember my mom never being saved because she got saved when I was five. Okay. Because my uncle from my whole family was Catholic, like most of our families were, you know, but my uncle in Texas um, heard the gospel at 17 years old. And he started preaching to my grandma, my grandpa, my aunts, my uncles, and everybody started getting saved. And he came to visit and he shared the gospel here in, here in Tracy in Stockton because I had family here too, and uh, my mom got saved. And that didn't really make an impact to me because I don't remember, but I remember when my dad got saved. Matter of fact, he got saved a few blocks from here. There's a little church over here by the Hertz uh, rental place, uh, car rental. It's just okay. a few blocks this way. Okay. And um, he, um, there was a... a he he had been drinking. He couldn't stop. He always worked though. He always worked. You know, he we never were without. Mm-hmm. But I thought like a beer can was attached to his hand, like like he was just born that way. You know, yeah, for <laughs> sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and um, when he got saved, I remember just everything changed. He stopped drinking. He stopped. His friends quit coming over. Um, it just everything changed dramatically. And I always tell people because in these last decade, I have seen so many miracles of God. I mean, I have seen amazing things that we could sit here for hours talking about just the miraculous, but for me, the biggest miracle I've ever saw was my dad change.
1: Amen. And you, you experienced know? that very young. Yeah. So, so you knew the power of God already at, at a very young age. Yeah, yeah. I
2: had no excuse, in other words. Yeah, you know, for but, sure. Yeah. Um, and to this day, you know, to this day, my dad uh, and mom attend the church, and uh, man, my dad raised two pastors. His four brothers. I'm a pastor. My younger brother's a pastor. And. Uh, he did something right. You know? <laughs> and how, here's, the, here's the thing: he never preached a sermon in his life. Wow! And that's why I feel it's important that our walk be louder than our talk. For sure. Because seeing my dad's walk is what inspired me. Yeah. You know? And and you
1: you mentioned that your parents both attend your church. Yeah. Um, how are you able to, uh, you know, go from being the son, yeah, to being their pastor? How, how that's do you a se- good ha- question. Ha- <laughs> how do you separate those two? Uh,
2: I don't think I do because. You know, I um, I don't believe in a pastor um, living a double life in the sense of oh I'm I'm a pastor so I got to act pastoral or I'm just me. This is the way I am. This is the way I am with my congregation. This okay. is the way I am with anybody. You know, um, I think that uh, a lot of times when when pastors um, only let you see the good, you know, it, it puts the wrong expectation Amen. on the, on those that are in congregation. They're like, man, pastor, don't laugh, pastor, don't joke, he don't clown. I do, you know what I mean? So, for sure. So I, I think it's um, not that much of a jump for me to be the pastor and the son. My okay. my parents, they 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 respect, you know, what it is I do, you know, and uh, I just enjoy it, man. I, I just I'm having a great time in my yeah. life. that's
1: you know. I mean, all. That's always exciting when when I hear people say. Well, you know, this person is the same regardless whether they're at church, whether at the grocery store, whether at home, that that hat never comes off. They're the same all the way around. And like you said, you know, the way we live our life, the way we we model, people can see it. You you should be able to walk into, you know, your your workplace or wherever it it may be, Mm -hmm. a school and people should know that. Oh, well, that's that, that's somebody yeah. who serves the Lord. That's somebody who, you know, yeah. wa- walks with Christ, you know, and, and, because and,
2: and there's a there's a reason why, brother. Um, when I when I was gangbanging, when I, see back in the day, I don't know about the younger generations now. I feel like a lot of them don't respect the parents, don't really care less. They'll sell dope in front of their mom, you know, but back in the day, um, you had a lot of a lot of respect for your elders, a lot of respect for your mom, a lot of respect for your dad. Um, whatever you're doing in the streets, you did not bring that into the house. That's just the way it was, you know. And um, so I lived my whole life. Even even later when I had kids and I got married, you know, with my first, you know, wife in, in high school. My, uh, um, she had my daughter, my two daughters. And um, at that time, like, it was like in the house I was not this gangbanger. I was not this dope dealer. And there was this whole double life thing. You know, you act a For certain sure. way with the, with the homeboys, and you you've got straps, and you got all this and that. And then at home, I'm a dad playing with my daughter. And and so when I came into the Lord, I'm like, God, I'm sick and tired of living a double life. I'm not going to pretend to be something in, in in front of the church people and something else at home. I'm, I'm not going to do that. I live my whole life like that. You I'm going uh,
1: to hit you with this question because it was very good because... I, c- I can relate to this, and when you say yeah. that double life, because I, 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 it affected my, my daughters in the way I operate now, and, uh, you know, I'm able to rebuild that relationship with yeah. them now, they're 16 and 13, but um, with your daughters, yeah. uh, how, was, how was that an effect on them living that double lifestyle to the life you're living now? Yeah, because I know with my daughters, it's like they, they had to wait back and see the consistency. Cause yeah. They weren't sure if I was going to go back to the street. You know, <laughs> yeah. they weren't sure. You know, they didn't know what they were going to get yeah. because it was always like, like OK, I'm going to play the dad role or, yeah. you know, I'm going to go out and, you know, when I was in the world, go to the streets. But now that I'm serving the Lord, yeah. it's just being consistent, being consistent. How was that effective or, you know, how did it affect your kids um, from your, your first marriage?
2: I think that my life slowly unraveled. So I was able to live this double life, and then when it unraveled, it really unraveled. So my kids never knew what I was really like outside the house until everything fell apart and the feds are kicking the door down. And, you know, so, um, but then I when I went away, it was my third felony, because even the first two times I got arrested, I had a really good criminal lawyer. So I always got out of stuff, you know? And But the third one is FBI, DEA, uh, the Tracy Gang Task Force. I mean, all this whole thing, and uh, and then I went away for six years. So um, there was no. My kids never knew that side of me. So there was no like, man, dad ain't gonna change, you know, because they knew me as a good dad. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, but I think uh, my oldest daughter, she was scared that I didn't. I didn't realize she was afraid of me getting out until the last few months before I got out. And she sat there with me in the visiting room. I was in Atwater by that time. Because I I only went to federal, I never went to state. And she was like, Dad, um, I'm really excited you're getting out, but I'm scared. I'm like, what are you scared of? She was because even though you're here, I like the dad that you are. For sure. She was. and what if you change? What if you get out and you change? And I promised her, man, I promised her. I said, I promise you that the Lord really changed my life, I will never come back here again. I promise you I'll never leave you again. And I've kept that promise, you know. It's been 2,000 to 12 years now.
1: If you could speak to those fathers who were, you know, really trying and you know, really trying to get get it and have those kids, because, you know, especially with daughters, you know, that heartache of breaking their hearts and letting them down, it hits a different way. You know, if you can say something to them, what would you say?
2: Well, you know, for me, I would say that people need to understand, fathers and mothers, they need to understand that the things we do today is the life they're going to have. You know, and they they always, you know, like, especially guys, man, they'll be like, man, this has nothing to do with my family. I'm out here selling dope. I'm out here doing this. I'm out here doing these things. That has nothing to do with my family. That is a very selfish thing because when you go to jail, your whole family goes to jail. Yeah. You know, it, it 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 the the effect of what's in the fridge, the effect of the mm. the place they're going to live in, the effect of getting gas to even get to school. You affect them so much that it is it, it is just a selfish way of thinking. Yeah. And we have to quit thinking about ourselves because the moment you have kids, it is no longer about yourself. No ands, ifs, or buts. There's no option. It is no longer about you. Amen. You know, and and I don't say that like, oh, I'm telling I'm like, I learned this yes. the hard way. I learned this the hard way, man. And um, that that when we have children, it's about them. And and, um, you know, every time you see a prostitute, every time you see some some, you know, dope fiend the, talking to them, that's that was somebody's daughter. For sure. That was somebody's son. And um, the chances of that being your kids is how you are with them and how you live your life. Because the, the, you know, your absence is pretty much you, you have set them up for failure at that point, you know? For sure.
1: the This are high when, yeah. when um, you know, father's not around. And yeah. especially when the mother's not around, it's yeah. high for them to be able to get, go in the world and get involved with the wrong stuff, you yeah, know? And, and that's what Satan wants. It yeah. takes the man out the equation. And then you could, you could take, you could take even your, your story that you had both parents and you still were, you know, captivated by the things of the world, then that's how cunning the devil is. So my next question for you is when uh, or who was it that evangelized to you?
2: Other than my family? Other than your family. (laughs) Wow. Um, I think it was a lot of people throughout my life, probably my aunt. My aunt, who's going to be with the Lord, she would not give up on me. I had other family that didn't want me at their house anymore because they thought their house would get shot up or something if I was there. Uh, but my one aunt, she was in, she lived in series before in a camp as a, as a project. So There's one way in, one way out. And I had a cousin there I always hung around with. And she, um, we'd be at a family get together. Nobody would even mention the gospel. I'm talking. I'm in my 20s. I'm hanging out with, you know, prison gangs. I'm just moving weight, connected with cartel and this and that. And and but she. You know she would just see right through me, and she's like, "You need Jesus, like I've been praying for you for three days straight and this come and that on. you know, and she never ever ever quit, never quit man and um even through my incarceration uh she died while I was in prison, but even that throughout that whole time she saw me get saved she she i mean just she walked she just rejoiced, come on, yeah, yeah, she because... just rejoiced, and she didn't get to see me out here, you know but
1: but she saw you saved. Yeah, she she got to yeah. see you saved. And, you know, the prayers that she kept praying and praying day yeah. in and day out, you know, that, yeah. you know they were finally answered. Yeah, but there's know?
2: times I would um, um, just straight out reject the Lord. I remember being in San Jose, story in King. There's a lot of cruising back in the day over there. And I remember getting off at this liquor store as gas at 7-Eleven or something. I don't know. I, I think I was just going to grab some nachos or something. And this guy walks up and he's like, hey, man, uh check out this flyer we got a play coming it happened to be victory outreach <laughs> okay and he's like man check it out you know and i looked at it and then i was like i just threw it to the floor right in his face you know what i mean and um i remember i preached on that and i started crying man because i wasn't rejecting that man no and i wasn't rejecting the peace i was rejecting christ yeah you know and and it just so many times that people have shared with me about jesus that that i think my aunt would probably be the main one my parents but so many people over time would share the gospel yeah. i mean it's
1: it's it's good to say though that that they were obedient to what christ yeah. wanted them to do mm-hmm. and you know eventually what was needed to be done yeah. was done because you're here today yeah. serving the lord you should mention story and king yeah story and king for our outreach especially right there in san jose yeah. is um a landmark you know that's where it's, uh pastor ed Yes. you know came out to story and king and evangelized yeah. so that's a very monumental uh spot right there yeah. in san jose now i understand that you had a relationship with with pastor ed and uh yeah. so i want to ask you when was the first time you met pastor ed how did you meet pastor ed and what was your guys relationship yeah.
2: like um the first time i knew of pastor ed because of duke of earl matter of fact i remember the play came here right here to the civic auditorium and it was full of gangbangers, man. <laughs> you know, I remember going. You know what I mean? I remember going, and um, it was amazing. But at that time, I went to to see the play and the shootouts and this and that. Then when, once the gospel, once Pastor Ed went on the stage and was sharing, I just kind of checked out. You know, to be yes. honest with you, mentally. But I was listening. But I knew who Pastor Ed was. I knew who Sister Mitzi was. And then. Um, you know this whole thing. I, I, I go to prison and and uh, and then I get out because I was, I was a recording artist before. So somehow, Pastor Ed found out um, that I was the guy behind the G.U.N. album. You yeah. know, and um, he somehow had somebody locate me. He had he was like a he had all <laughs> kinds of feelers out yeah, there. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. And um, next thing you know, this guy knocks on my door and he's just like, hey, um, and, you know, I, I'm coming from San Jose and and Pastor Ed. Uh, I was like, Pastor Ed, the Duke of Rogue? guy, you know. And he goes, Yeah. He goes, He wants to talk with you. And um, I was a huge fan of the movie, mm-hmm. so I'm like, Yeah, of course I like to talk to him. So I, I called him up and went down to San Jose. And uh, man, he embraced me. He embraced me. I was fresh out within a couple months, you know. And um, I think he was feeling me out, For you know. Sure, he was feeling yeah. me out, and I, I didn't really know him other than the movie, you mm-hmm. know. And we had a great conversation, and um, and then I went back again. And um, I just really liked him because I, w- I was coming out looking for guidance because I had served God those six years in federal prison um, and a lot of it was in solitary so I didn't have no nobody to to guide, nobody to, to look up to, nobody to encourage you know and um, so I would attend different churches and, and immediately befriend the pastors of those churches mm-hmm. and um, so I enjoyed every time he said, Hey, Dave, you want to come down? And I was like, Yeah, of course, you know. for sure. And he's like, I want you to share your testimony at my church. And I'm like, Pastor, man, you can ask anything of me, but please don't ask me to share my. my I don't want to do that. I want to preach the gospel. I don't want to look back. I don't want to share my story. And he's like, What do you mean you don't want to share your story? You know, and um, he, was very, he was a very adamant man. <laughs> yeah, for sure. He did not take no for an answer um so he's like okay okay and then the next so he'd be like and then he'd call and he'd say hey we're gonna have uh um you know so and so here why don't you come through come through be my guest you know and so I'd go show up in San Jose go and um and then we'd go to the green room and he'd have dinner and I'd get to meet all the other pastors from the region and and I was just sitting there I was the only one that wasn't a pastor you know just talking to these guys and um And then in the middle of it, you know, he'd be like, when are you going to share your testimony? (laughs) He would put me on the spot, you know. And finally, um, the Lord rebuked me, man. The Lord, I was in prayer. I'm just like, Lord, you got to get this pastor off me, man. (laughs) Because he's just on me and I don't want to share my testimony, you know. And the Lord was basically like, how are you not going to share your testimony? You were willing to give 100% to the enemy, but you won't give me nothing?
1: no when when you say yeah so when you say that do you feel that the the devil was trying to stop you from 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 i think it was fear okay
2: i think it was fear because i didn't know if people forgot about who i was i don't know if people knew who i was i don't know because it was very tight in with with nuestra familia and stuff yes i'm not going to put myself out there in front of 800 people i don't know who's there you know i don't know what's going on i don't know what's happening and because of that and um but the Lord rebuked me, man. And uh, finally, I called them and I said, all right, let's do it, you know. And uh, so we did it, you know. And I, I, if I recall, I think the seating capacity is 800 there in San Jose. Uh, somewhere around there, yeah, it uh, is. It's, it, it's a lot. But it was 1,000 people showed up. Nice. They had to bring out chairs from everywhere. Um, the altar call was like over 200 people. It was amazing, man. And after that, God freed me of that fear, you know. And I just started sharing everywhere. I shared in Gilroy. I shared here. Um, when Pastor Robert was here in Stockton. Okay. Um, just, it was amazing, you know? And, um, and I got very close to Pastor Ed and Sister Mitzi, you know, and, um, and Pastor Robert also, that he was here, and uh, Gerald Weathers in Rancho, yes. who were, were still good friends, and uh, Vic, uh, uh, Victor, uh, Vincent, vi- no, no, Vince, Cisco. <laughs> He's in uh, Texas. Austin. Texas? Okay. Austin. Oh, my God. He's going to see this. He's like, you forgot my name. Okay. Uh, but we talk. We still talk sometimes through message. Uh, yeah. And uh, but anyways. Um, so you, yeah. uh,
1: how would you say your, your relationship was with Pastor Ed throughout those? That very, night?
2: very good. I didn't know it was his last year of his life, though. OK. I didn't know it was the last year of his life, man. And um, I remember uh, he invited me over for Thanksgiving. And um, I was like, yeah, you know, sure. You know, he had a. It was the first time I think his daughter made a turducken oh. with a turkey and a barely duck heard about, and I, a yeah. chicken.
1: I just barely heard about that this year. Yeah. Like, I, I guess it's been around for a while, but yeah. I just barely heard about that this so year. So
2: I drove to San Jose. Yeah. I had no idea Like he didn't invite just anybody to his house. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. That. He had he even has a special chair where he watched his games. Um, it was a San Jose Sharks chair, and nobody could sit there. It was just, <laughs> And I sat there and had dinner with him, and I didn't know it was going to be his last Thanksgiving. And I'm just like, Wow. I shared his last Thanksgiving of his life with his family, you know, and yeah. and, uh, and then his daughters left and their husbands, and it was just me, him, and Sister Mitzi having coffee there, and um, I had no idea because he he was a huge inspiration to me, and I didn't know that time was limited. I thought like, man, I'm gonna have the rest of my life with this man, for sure, you know, and uh, man, it was it was horrible, you know, when he when he got sick.
1: So, let, let's this let's uh recap all this so you know we're, we're talking about how you how you know th- your your move was with, with god you know the, how you grew up you know in the backstory of you you know you're, you're a recording artist you know you're you're um a mo- you're making movies at yeah. the time you're making movies you had a record label that's that that was across the world and i even remember too you know like hearing the first time that you got saved I was still in the world I was living out here in Northern California yeah. and I was like man is this is this for real like yeah. is this guy really doing it but when you grow up when you say you grow up a certain culture you uh you know you have respect for that you have a reverence for yeah. that regardless if you really have you know you look up to your elders whatever it was the way your upbringing was you had a reverence if people were going to serve the Lord you, you, you know you had yeah. that reverence for them so I know I remember hearing about you know yeah he's coming out of prison you know this guy's saved now he, you know He's a pastor. When was it that you got saved, though?
2: February 25th, 2004. Solitary confinement on the seventh floor of Sacramento County Jail.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Straight to the T. Yeah. Straight
2: you know, to the T. Um, it was my third felony. I was facing 23 to life. Um, I had time before, fought it, would beat it. And this was a huge one. You know, and what a lot of people don't know, because I've had people say, and I don't see, I don't think there's anything wrong with anybody getting saved in jail. I think, I think that when we hit rock bottom, we're going to cry out to somebody. Oh, yeah. You know, but um, three months prior to that, I was already crying out to God. I was already trying to go to church. I was, I was already trying to do, and I say I, because I was trying to do it my way. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'll go to church on Sundays, I'll quit selling dope. You know what I mean? Then I'll be good, you know. But for three months prior to that indictment that happened, I was already sick and tired of my life. I realized that my life had entrapped me and I wanted out, you know. And um, so when I did get arrested, um, I, I, it was that very day that I surrendered. I, I didn't accept him. I surrendered to him. You know, Amen. and I say that all the time because if I, if I accept uh, an invitation, I could always leave. If I surrender. I'm in your custody, <laughs> Yeah. You <know? laughs> for sure. And I said, Lord, I surrender to you, you know, and that was at uh, 2004.
1: So. Amen. Well, see, you guys heard it right there. That is never too late. Even if you're incarcerated, you guys are right there behind bars. You guys, you guys can get saved. It's never too late. It's right never. there. You know, it's never too late. You know, God wants, you know, you to surrender. That was a key word right there of surrendering, you know, not doing it your way, but doing it his way. Amen. All right, Pastor David. Um. Uh, question that I had for you is uh so you've been all over you toured all over with your music and the dark room familia um you know you've been in uh, many cities you know that and that music right there in the secular world has reached out to many started a whole movement you know the whole north Daniel movement was behind it now that you're a pastor Mm -hmm. how do you separate that or Um, Is that identity still around it that it lingers from the secular to you being a
2: pastor now? I think it's a bittersweet relationship I have with my past because um, in one sense, I wish it didn't exist. But in another sense, it opens doors and it opens doors for the gospel to press through, you know. And, And I mean, the way I see it is everything the enemy does. God will use it for his glory every single time, Amen. you know. But as far as the transition, because I had a six-year prison transition, um, I don't think it was not the transition happened in there, you know what I mean? So it was more of I'm out here doing what I'm doing, and then all of a sudden, six years later, I'm back and I'm pa- I'm, I'm preaching, you know. So, yeah. But uh, as far as the transition, um, a lot of people are still barely finding out that I got saved. <laughs> You know, yeah. once in a while, uh, I'll have a comment or I'll have an email or things like that now. I mean, there's been negative, too. There's been death threats. There's been things oh, yes, like that, too. Sure. But, I mean, man, I was getting death threats before anyways. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so, I mean, it ain't no, it ain't nothing new. You know, but uh, I think that um, God has, is using it for his glory now. I, I accept that now. Yeah. You know, everything I did in the past, all of that stuff, um, God has turned around. So many people have gotten saved. And they're just like, man, I can't stand churches, I can't stand pastors, but I was a fan of yours. Yes. And, and I just got saved because I was watching your sermon. You know, like, that's uh, priceless. Oh, for sure. Yeah.
1: For sure, because, uh, I mean, when, uh, somebody on, on the magnitude of that you're doing things uh, speaks volumes. So if it was speaking volumes out there in the world, you're able to have that, that credibility already yeah. when, you, when you transitioned, you yeah. know, as far as being a... A Christian, you know, and, but I yeah.
2: use it responsibly.
1: Yes, yeah.
2: I use my past responsibly
1: yeah. You know because I think that's important. So talking about being responsible uh, By using your past yeah. How and have you separated yourself from the the secular residuals or royalties that mm-hmm. that came with That whole movement that came yeah. with that that whole the sir dino and if so how would you give the advice to those new yeah. secular artists that were out there that are also making a transition into Christianity?
2: I've been on a lot of podcasts. Nobody asked that. That's a good question. I'm actually glad you asked because a lot of people think that I'm still living off of that music. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously, a lot of people have, a handful of people have came at me like I'm a hypocrite. How can you pastor this and that and you're still making all this money? Mm-hmm. So I'm glad you asked, and I don't. I don't make money off of my past. Um, actually, I remember, because um, the owners of Darkroom Studios are two brothers and myself. And um, at one point, they came to visit me, and, um, and uh, I, was in, I was in Santa Rita. And there I told them, I said, you know what, I'm giving up all my rights to Darkroom Familia material, soundtracks, group albums. I said, but... I own my solo albums. And the reason I say that, it's first of all, is that I did not want nobody controlling my solo albums. And when I got out, I wanted to just completely stop, stop anything, no manufacturing. Back then, no CDs. Yeah. Uh, that was before streaming and all that. But back then, I said, I don't want no more CDs produced, no nothing at all. I mean, I had kids, you know, so I allowed my whole inventory to sell. Um, throughout my incarceration, but when it sold, they were never repressed again. Unfortunately, if I go on iTunes, all my solo albums are there. I'm not making money off of that. I don't want to make money off of that, but I don't want somebody else making money off of that either. I I don't want it to exist. You know, so um, that's something that, uh, that my wife and I are actually looking into, you know, because every time I go on American Cholo, every time I go on Tony A, all these secular, Podcasters, I'm pretty sure every single time somebody's making money because somebody goes back and buys those old albums, you know? So, um, but yeah, I I, I don't make any money off of that stuff. I don't don't want that money.
1: Uh, What advice would you give to those artists who are transitioning? There's there's quite a few artists that are coming from the secular world uh, into the Christianity and, you know, um, what advice would you give to them?
2: I mean I was in an interesting position that I owned my own publishing, I owned my own stuff, I did all my production, I owned everything. Unfortunately, if an artist is owned by a label or something like that, they they have no say so in it at all because they, if they get saved, let's say you're you're a popular secular artist and then you get saved and you don't want to do that, this label's still going to make their money. They're yeah. still going to they're not going to stop and say, "Oh, you're saved now, let's uh, pull all your catalog." It's not going to happen, you know, but the best we can do the best anyone can do is use that for the glory of god yeah and you use that to open doors you use that you know what i mean so um and i don't i don't completely agree when somebody is a secular artist and they get saved and next week they have a christian album out yeah paul even paul himself went away for three years paul himself so you know, I don't really agree, but again, I'm a pastor. I'm talking from experience out of the music industry and as a pastor. Um, I love the way my wife puts it: is sometimes people want to jump on the worship team because she leads worship at the church, and sometimes she tells people no, and they get all hurt. But she's really trying to save them, because the moment you put yourself up to be in the front lines of worship, the attacks come. Everything is going to come you at you, worship. and we have seen people destroyed. Yes, but. A lot of times, you know, when somebody is brand new Christian, they were a secular rapper, now they want to rap for Jesus, they have no idea what they're asking for.
1: For sure, because they, they don't understand the battles that that come with it. Uh, not only that, we, we talked about it earlier when we talk about walking the the walk. Yes. You got to build your character. Yeah. You, you have to build your, your character and that, that, that. When people see that and then, you know, they do come out with a Christian album, they can say, okay, this is legit. This person has walked that walk for this time. This person has really lived that life for this amount of time. Instead of, I
2: just saw him at the club last week.
1: (laughs) And and I I think it would be safe to say that uh, uh, maybe sometimes that gives a bad taste about Christians. You know, uh, in, in, you know, to other people who are looking, and say, "Well, man, look at this. This is why Christians, you know, they're hypocrites. You know, or mm-hmm. this is why we don't go to church because they're all hypocrites. Like, because you say last week they're in the club, mm-hmm. and then next week they, you know, they're playing, playing Christians. Yeah. And uh, I think it's very important that we do build that character. And uh, so, th- the advice that you would give to the secular artists, is you know, that are
2: transitioning yes. uh, into Christianity, is to sit down, know, sit down. Yeah, and I would say this, too, is is every single person that has a gift, I don't care how talented you are, if it is not laid down at the feet of Christ, it is ineffective. It is ineffective, you know, because remember when Jesus fed the 5,000? Jesus said, "Go, you go and get some something, and they came back with a couple of fish and a couple of loaves. Yes. That did not feed the masses until it was in the master's hand, and he blessed it and broke it. Come on. So unless we put our talents at his feet and he blesses it and break it, I don't care how talented you are. I don't care how much good of a producer you are, whatever. I don't care what it is. If it is not laid at the feet of Jesus, it is ineffective for the gospel. And that's what a lot of people, and I hate picking on Christian rappers because I think this goes everywhere, even musicians, singers, yeah. authors, whatever. It better be laid at the feet of Christ, you know, uh, because if not, we're building up our, our worldly kingdoms. And every worldly kingdom is under the God of this age. Amen. Yeah. So <clears throat> when we talk about that,
1: um, uh, as far as like, you know, the transition, mm-hmm. it, you know, cause we know that you, you, you were a master when you're out there in the secular world. You, I mean, like you said, you had your own publishing. Yeah. You, you did it all. You had your own, your own, uh, rights to everything. Now, as far as being a, a Christian, yes, can we expect anything on that magnitude that you're doing? Like, as far as like movies or anything? Movies? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, that's a what, dream of
2: mine. What can we expect? Uh, I yeah. want to retire as an author and a movie maker. <laughs> Come on, okay. You know, um, I remember Pastor Ed telling me, David, you don't know it, but you're going to carry the torch that I started. Wow. And I know that's uh, that might sound I don't know because I am I'm not a Victor Outreach pastor I'm not maybe somebody in Victor Outreach says what are you talking about yes you know but I mean no disrespect to the ministry at all but he said that and may, 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 and he we were talking about films we were talking yeah. about movies because he knew I did movies and that was his passion uh, I remember asking him what's what's next after Duke of Earl he goes David I got so many movies in my heart I want to write and I don't have time yeah he goes and I don't know if I'll ever have time this is before he got sick this is before. Um, and he says, you're going to carry that torch, you know, and uh, I do have movies in my heart that I do want to get to and, and not just little cheap, you know, movies, like real films that yeah. I have in my heart that I want to do, uh, and, and author more books and, uh, raise up more leaders. Okay. You know. So are you working
1: anything, uh, on anything currently, uh, right now, as far as like, a, uh, film, because I, I've. Seen other podcasts that you have done, yeah. and uh, I know it's, it's been put out there. You know, the... yeah.
2: I was I was working on a film. Mist of my confusion was a story I wrote before Christ. I was working on that, but I put it on pause because right now I'm working on a documentary, actually, uh, uh, based on on my wife's brother. He got um, a 25 year sentence in federal prison. He's on his last year or so, okay. um, and um, there's a lot of things that happened that got him incarcerated that were just really crooked and. He was finally ready to share these things, and uh, so I've been interviewing a lot of the family, getting a lot of his backstory. I'm just working on that right now, uh, but once once I do that, there I, I do want to do. I'm not sure if I'm going to go back to Mister My Confusion or not, but. Um, I've talked to Eli about doing a film in his life. I don't know which, whatever way God wants to direct my life. Talking you know. about Eli Contreras. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He attends House of Rest. Yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, so we've talked to him about that. Uh, Brother Alfonso is another guy at our church. Really would love to make his book. We publish his book too uh, into a movie. I don't know. I, I just know it. I just want to do film. Yes. You know, it's something that I study for a lot, of, a long time, and. I have, I think, six movies under my belt from the past. I did a Christian film called Always With You. I did do that. And um, I'm looking to getting that into Amazon Prime. Okay. Uh, And that's a Christian film that I did. Amen.
1: So with that being said, uh, as you you know, um, as if you're a secular artist or those who have recently transitioned into the Christianity world and and still want to utilize those gifts, it's possible. You know but um like pastor david was saying it's very important to lay those gifts at the feet of jesus you know yeah. that way it, you know jesus can bless it and he will you know when when the time is right uh that that way there's an anointing yes. upon everything that you're doing the god's hands upon it god's anointing is going to be upon it and you're going to be able to reach you know a magnitude of people it's, uh, you know, that time of separation, you know, is very important. It you is. know, it's very important it because uh, it's just you and God. When you separate, you're able to get in tune with God to be able to build your character. Uh, I, I firsthand experienced that. You know, there's a lot of uh, times where I, I juggle with the thought of doing music. You know, I, I produced before as well, but I, I never jumped right into it. And yeah. I still yeah. haven't because I, I still in building my character. I'm you know, the inter-
2: interesting fact of Jewish custom is that the Bible says uh, a man will leave his father and his mother cleave unto his wife together they become one. Um, there was no, there wasn't none of this um, living with the in-law stuff. By Jewish law and their customs when someone got married they didn't work for a whole year. They spent time with their spouse for a whole year to get to know each other. Well, guess what? When you when you repent and give your life to the Lord, that's a marriage happening between you and the mm-hmm. Lord. Yeah. And if and and God expects us to separate ourselves to get to know Him, you yeah. know. And I think that's important. So I don't think any. It's never wise to just jump into ministry as much as we want to. Sometimes for sure, you know. Because
1: sometimes you you always have to have a sensitivity too, as far as like Holy Spirit and uh, the way you operate. Because you know when when we start doing ministry. We're in, uh, being entrusted with others' lives as yes. well, you know, uh, we're being, a, you know, whether we're being a good effect on them or a bad effect, you know, we could put a good taste in somebody's mouth or a bad yeah. taste, you know, so, you know, we, we have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and in, in building that relationship, yes. knowing that, being able to to discern certain things like, okay, I shouldn't be doing this right now, I shouldn't, yeah. you know, I, 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 you know, should allow God to, to work in my life because, you know, when we hurt somebody, uh, it, it could be uh, detrimental to their walk. Yes, you know? could, and, and that's dangerous. It's very dangerous. And so, you know, I, 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 if I can give any advice, I pray that each and every you guys... Be filled with the Holy Spirit, spend that time with the Lord. It's very important. Spend that time with God because, yeah. you know, like Pastor David was saying that, that 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 it's a marriage. You know, you want to get to know that spouse. You want to get to know get to know God and who God has created you to be. All right, Pastor David, we talked about it's not too hard getting saved while being incarcerated. Yeah. Um, but what steps would you or what advice would you give to one who does want to get saved? Uh, being in that type of environment. Myself, I have a brother Mm -hmm. who's incarcerated and who's really trying, you know, been locked down 22 years. And what advice would you give somebody
2: who's really trying just to serve the Lord in that type of environment? Um, I won't sugarcoat it. It's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. And depending on what level of prison you're at, it can be dangerous. That's just the truth, you know. But the fact is this, is that we have to understand that Christ died for us. And, And if he died for us, we have to give everything to him, because one thing I've learned in the different facilities I went to is that my um, if I was not completely sold out to the Lord, the other inmates can smell it. Oh, for sure. You know, but when they really see, they'll respect it. Have Christians died in prison? Regardless, yeah, they do. You know what I mean? I, I remember. Because in the Feds, you can go anywhere in any of the fifty states. They can send you, and, and at a moment's notice, they will say, "Pack your stuff. You're going to Alaska. Pack your stuff. You're going to Boston," and you never know how that facility is going to treat you as a Christian. But you got to make up in your mind who you stand for. Yes. You know. And um, but for the most part, um, you just got to serve God. You just got to uh, um, be. Remember that that meekness and weakness are completely different. Being a Christian does not mean being weak. It means being meek. What is meek is you hold that power, uh, the the power that you have to destroy, you, you hold it back. And, and uh, just because you're capable of it doesn't mean you do it. You know, and uh, for me, um, I had um, a lot of times people would would shine me on because especially uh, fellow homies from up north. But when they saw that my walk was real, when they saw that my like again, you know, your, your, your walk has to be so much louder than your talk. And they and they have to do. All they can do is respect it you know and you just serve god man serve god and don't look to the left don't look to the right and and just put your hand to the plow and go forward you know and that's all you can do
1: pray that administers somebody even if you guys are watching if you guys are incarcerated (laughs) we know that you know people are watching stuff and while they're incarcerated but it's not too hard you know so uh like Pastor David was saying, you know, let let your walk, you know, speak louder than what it is you're preaching about because it's very important. Well, if we were ready to die for the neighborhood, Come on. then we better be ready to die for Jesus. For sure. I remember when I was doing my movement and uh when I decided to you know serve the Lord, I was ready to die for that cause. I was ready to die for the cause and and, and, and I told myself that, that same thing. I said, If I was ready to go all all in yeah. and, you know, ready to go all out for what I believed in, I'm, I'm I should do the same. How for much Christ. more for yeah, Jesus? For sure. And yeah. he, you know, he went to the cross and yeah. did it for us, Yeah, you know, so it, it's, you know, we can, we can lay our lives down for who he is and what yes. he has done for us. My next question for you is when did you experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit?
2: Mm, solitary confinement.
1: Solitary confinement. Yes. It was on.
2: actually, um, um, it was two years after I got saved. Okay. And because uh, I was in Sacramento County Jail, and um, I was fighting a different case there because well, it's a whole big old mess. But I was fighting a case there, and once I got sentenced there to eight and a half years, I had to face a judge in San Francisco. So they took me to Santa Rita. Santa Rita um, was solitary confinement because they had me labeled as Nuestra Familia. Yes. Because of that, you cannot be in general population. And... Um, I was already in solitary in SAC for some of the time there, and I, I can't stand being in solitary. And then to be go to Santa Rita, knowing that I was gonna be there for months, and they put me in a hole, and you know. But anyways, I was on my way to court, and I was crying out to God. I'm like, Lord, please, please, don't let me be in solitary. Just let me go to general population, Lord. Why? You know, I can't do this. And um, they put me in a holding cell, and it was like five in the morning and um, they had me in shackles, so the shackles around my waist all the way down to my ankles. And uh, they sat me in this little, this little cell and they're like, you're gonna have to wait here till the marshals come and get you. They wouldn't take them off or nothing. Wow. There was a TV and um, I reached over and barely was able to turn the power on and there was a, a pastor preaching. And I was crying out to God. I felt totally in despair, totally uh, defeated. I'd have been serving God for two years. I'm like, Lord, I've been serving you for two years. Why are they putting me here? And there was this preacher on there, and I, was just, I just sat down on just this metal chair that was there, and the preacher pointed right at the camera. He was preaching on Joseph, and he was preaching on Joseph when he got thrown into the pit. Yeah. And he looks at the TV screen, and he says, um, somebody out there, you're in a pit right now. Wow. He was, And I want to tell you not to look at where you're going to. Don't, uh, don't look at what you're going through. Look where you're going to. You know, and and he will take you from the prison to the palace. Come on. And um, at that moment, I felt like I was the only one watching that episode at that moment, 530 in the morning. And he looks like God is such a strategic God, you know. And I started praising him. I'm like shackled up. And I started praising for the first time. I felt like, like oil pouring on my head and I started to speak in a language that I'd never spoke before, Come on, you know? And yeah, uh, I yeah, honestly it. thought I was crazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> it was just flowing and flowing. And I remember stopping, because I, I remembered I was in a cell and I'm like, the marshal's gonna think I'm nuts, right? And um, so I went to court that whole day and that whole process and everything. when I finally got back to my cell that night and I'm like, Lord, what was that about? I said, if it's what I think it is, Let it happen again in the name of Jesus. And boom, it hit again. Mm. And I was just worshiping and and just speaking in a heavenly language. And uh, I'll never forget that moment, man. You
1: feel like like a a sense of just peace. Everything just, just, yeah. A weight lifted. and everything was just, you know, no
2: worries in the world. The way I want to say is this, is that I know I was saved for two years already. I'm not going to say that I didn't get saved until I spoke in tongues. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to say is this, is that uh, imagine an EQ or not the AQ, say a, a, a mixer. We know it has channel yes. one, channel two, channel three. Let's say being a non-believer, everything was at zero. And then being a believer, everything's at three. But when I got the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, I felt like all of them got turned to ten. You know oh, what I mean? And on. it was yeah. just like my whole Christian walk just changed from that moment on. Uh, I ended up spending a year in that cell by myself, for, you know, just complete solitary. I didn't get one hour a day. I didn't have a cellie. I would get a shower every three days and um but it was at that time in that moment that if that empowered me to get through that year you know and but yeah that's that was in santa rita that was in santa rita yeah man i remember <laughs> santa rita
1: no joke no it's not no no joke I, i've been there and it's just not a yeah. pleasant place to be yeah. there but uh but we know that the holy spirit was there oh yeah and he, it he was no, baptizing. i don't Come
2: care on. how long i how thick a wall is, Jesus can't get, he,
1: he can't keep come them on, out. Come on, Talking about Paul and Silas, you know, praying down and, and worshiping God and the walls fall down. Amen, You know, so Amen. come on. Uh, next question is, when was the
2: first time that you feel that you were gifted? I still ask myself that now, i wonder. wondering. <laughs> um, I knew, I knew early on that the reason I was a recording artist The reason I was on stages the reason I had the name that I had was because it was a gift from God I was just using it wrong you know so um, but when it comes you know to sometimes I don't want to accept those gifts I guess see people have told me even like three years ago they're like man pastor you're gonna pastor pastors and that sounds scary to me and I'm like no no not me I just want to pastor Modesto and that's it so sometimes a lot of times I I'm in denial of the gifts that God has given me. Well, let's just touch on that. You you talked about being pastors
1: of pastors. Mm-hmm. You have House Arrest. Yes. Which is in Modesto. Mm-hmm. You have any other congregations? Yeah, we have Lake Tahoe. Okay. We
2: started that three months ago, a little over three, four months, almost four months ago. Um, we have a house church in Texas. Um, it's 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 because it's beginning, you know, it's beginning, not only that, but our YouTube channel. I was, on, I was doing YouTube um, channel before the live even existed. I would have yeah. to upload all night long. That's when the internet was slow yeah. back in 2011. Sure. All my sermons are documented all the way from back then. And um, so in all of those years, there's so many people that we've met, different pockets of, of the nation and the country where um, because of YouTube, because now we do devotionals, um, the Bible studies everything just leaders are being built up and Good. and even in our local church now you know and um, I guess that gift the gift of writing you know like I publish books um, let's talk about your books that yeah. you brought yeah oh. yeah this is my story actually I, this is my testimony um, I started this in, Sol- in Santa Rita okay you know I finished it when I got out but this is uh, lost in the storm and then this is my recent one who are you identity in Christ and that's my more recent book. It's a teaching on who you are in Christ. So many churches, man, every church, from even the Catholic church, teaches who God is. Yes. Problem is te- te- is churches don't teach us who we are in Christ. Um, you know, and we end up feeling like, like, like God is way up there. And we're just down here just groveling. But the Bible says that we are in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You know, and um, a lot of times I tell people, they're like, oh, man, I'm getting attacked by Satan. I'm like, how? What do you mean? Do you have Christ in you? No. And they're like, "Yeah." What did what what did demons do around Jesus? They're like, they ran from him. They screamed from him. Uh, I said, worry. "And who do you have in you?" Come on. Jesus. I said, "You got to learn who you are in Christ, man, because right. we are not walking around this world defeated. You better you know have your back straight and yeah. and tighten up your bootstraps because we're at war." And, 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 the, and the enemy is running from us. I totally believe in my heart that if I walk into a bar down the street, all them demons are going to come screaming out because of who we have in us. Yeah. So this book, um, Who Are You? Identity in Christ, is, is, is empowers believers and teaches them who they are. Use, I, this is a seminar of mine for like the last eight, nine years.
1: And yeah for the, for the viewers uh where can they can find this book at and where can they
2: get uh, it? anywhere anywhere but the main place would probably be amazon okay um there it's also an audible i did the narration okay. it's also as an ebook. Yeah, both of them so who are you identity in christ and lost in a storm is my testimony because right now we're just zipping through it but this yeah. is this is like exhaustive you know <laughs> oh for sure
1: yeah my next question for you is now, because you you say that a lot of people tell you what you're get, you know what you're called to do. Yeah. You know that you're going to be pastors of pastors. What do you feel that God has called you to do?
2: You, what do you feel that God has called you to do? To empower believers. Um, I don't believe in mega church, I believe in mega Christians. Okay. To build people up because the times is coming where where, where, where we're we're going to be attacked worse than ever before. COVID is just that was just the tip of the iceberg and um... if we don't start to grow strong christians we're gonna fail We're we're gonna we're not doing anybody a favor by giving them fluffy sermons we're not doing anybody a favor and i'm not saying doom and gloom that's completely different i'm saying empower believers let them know who they truly are and, and don't give them this fluffy christianity give it to them real and raw because when the time comes that's what's going to withhold you Yes, that's what's going to hold you and and the Lord is looking for soldiers. He's looking for soldiers, not soldiers that just go screaming that, but not living it, but live it, live it. You know what I mean? And, and for men to to teach younger men and women to teach younger women, you know. And um, when when Jesus says, "On this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it," you know, He is calling us to soldier up. Yeah. You know, and uh, and that's my main thing is to empower believers. Amen. Yeah.
1: Now. If you can go back and, and, and give some advice what would you give advice and uh, to the younger you what what type of advice would you give Probably to the younger slap young?
2: myself <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that's a weird question because if if I didn't go through the struggles I have been through and persevered what I've been persevered through I wouldn't be who I am today okay. you know so that's kind of like Man, if I'd give myself advice, if, if, if I would have gotten saved at 16, I probably would have saved a lot of tears for my mom, even myself, my kids. But would I even still be around? Would I still be as effective as I am? You know, um, I'm willing to own the pain that I went through in my life so others can be saved. I have I've met so many people, even to this day in a secular world, that will listen to me because of everything I did before. So I don't know if I would change anything, but my God, you know, I don't know what I would tell my younger son. (laughs) I don't know other than slap him (laughs) (laughs) For sure, because there was a lot of chaos and everything
1: that was going on. A lot of of moves that you made that, you know, you probably, man, I should have never made that move. And, you know, but now, now living that crisis, of course, you know, um, It builds you to who you are now, and you are able to reach uh, a a certain dynamic of people, and and, you know those are that are in the secular world are captivated by because you actually experienced it. It's like this is a man of God who's actually been through, who's walking what he talks, you know, who does, who who practices what he preaches, you know, who's who's living the word of God out. Mm. And people, like you say, when you you mentioned it earlier, when you're in prison, people, the prisoners go smell it. Oh yeah, if you're fake, they're gonna. it. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can you can tell right away, you know, so that's I, I believe the way you operate, you know, has been effective yes. in, 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 in that in that realm when, you know, the secular people can reach out to you and be like, yeah. you know, I, I need some advice. Hey, you know, let, yeah. let's talk. And, you know, it's very intriguing that, you know, that that people uh, grasp the concept of that. Yeah. And understanding that, you know what? like look our lives not just what we talk about but how we live it speak volumes yes and we never know who's watching because Mm -hmm. you know even now with the viewers that might be tuning in we don't know who's uh watching who's listening who this may reach Mm -hmm. but as long as we continue to do what it is that god has called us to do and walk walk down that path and be led by the holy spirit Mm -hmm. you know uh you you know you're you're time of incarceration you, you served it wholeheartedly. Yeah. You know, serve God wholeheartedly and yes. you know that that's admirable because you know there's a lot of people uh struggling with that identity. You know, they wanna yeah. serve God, you know, they, they, they don't know what to do. They get they they get pulled back by the things of this mm-hmm. world, but you actually went through the battlefield in, yeah. in in in, you know, not only just regular prison, and state prison, but you went through the feds. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and like you said, you know, at any time they could have shipped you anywhere. Yeah. But you, you you were you were ready to still stand for what you believed in. Yeah. You know, and that that's that's uh that's I mean honestly I think that's very yeah. honorable. You know, and then that's why I believe that God has brought you to the place where you're at, you mm-hmm. know, um, you know, giving you a church, you know, opening up a uh, few others mm-hmm. as well and being a pastor of pastors, you know, mentoring, yeah. you know, hundreds of, of people, maybe who knows, thousands of people, however yeah. the, the magnitude goes that you're able to reach with your daily devotions. So with all that being said, yes. when it's said and done, because I know there's one thing that, that you know, that the Bible talks about, run this race, run yeah. this race, you know, as if we're winning for a prize. One day we will pass away. One day, we, yeah. will, w- you know, we're going to be gone from these earthly bodies. You know, on your tombstone, if you can put three words that best describe your legacy, what would you want to put on there? He loved
2: Jesus. He loved Jesus. That's it. Come on. yeah 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 I I I, my prayer it's kind of morbid to think this but my prayer is whenever my last breath whether it's tonight or many years from now is I use my last breath to say his name so I'm like God however I die let that be the last thing
1: amen well, those of you guys that joined us here tonight, we want to thank you guys very much. Uh, we pray that this testimony, that this that this podcast touched you. You know, if you know that it could touch anybody out there, share it. You know. Um, uh, send it to somebody because, you know, right now we're living in dark times and we we, we we heard it from Pastor David Rocha, you know, who lived that lifestyle, who actually went through the darkness. I mean, his label was called Dark Room Familia, we, <laughs> you know? I mean, how darker can it get than that, honestly, you know? and. Uh, now we're here, you know, and this man has walked uh, a walk of Christ, living that that true identity, you know, and there's more that, you know, that he can talk about. So if you want to reach him, go ahead and leave a message, reach out to him. Uh, I'm pretty sure that he'll open up his time to be able to reach out to you as well, because we all have a common vision. We all have a common goal is to be able to spread the word, to be able to reach those who are lost, because we each and every one of us that you see that come on this podcast, we've been there. We've been there been broken you know we've been bound by chains but jesus has set us free we know that the truth is is in in jesus christ and you know we wouldn't be able to do this without him and so we pray what he has done for us he can also do for you as well you know we're not we're not nobody special we're just you know the ones that say yes lord we will be that willing vessel that you want to use and go out and do what it is you have called us to do pastor david i want to thank you for taking your time to come here on this podcast it was an honor you know it was a surreal moment for myself because you know just the lifestyle that i came from and and just everything you know and uh you know to to i believe this was god ordained not the way he did it you know and uh and just the way you know you've been continuing ministering uh i pray that 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 god uh continue to use you in a mighty way you know um and and Whatever it is that, that God has for your family, we're going to continue to keep you guys in prayer. Mm-hmm. Those of you guys that need prayer, send them, put them in the comments below. We'll pray for you. You know, and, and you got a whole team that is praying for you. And we want to thank you again uh, for giving us your time. And we just want to say God bless and have a good I'm night. You give a
2: website? Go ahead. www.houseofrestchurch.com. You can find out about the books. You can find out about our YouTube channel. We have over 10,000 subscribers on there, and uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram also. So Amen. just go to the website and you'll get all of
1: it. <laughs> Amen. You heard it there. So, and throughout this video, I'm pretty sure that the handles are going to be on there as well, where you can uh, find Pastor David uh, Rocha. And uh, like I said, he's not a hard man to get a hold of. You know, you anything ministry, he's there to to uh, you know reach out and and answer any questions that you have. We pray that you have a blessed evening. Thank you for tuning in tonight.
0: All right, everybody, we just wrapped up our last session of the season. We're so grateful for you guys tuning in. We appreciate you guys. Hats off to everybody who hopped on here. Thank you guys for sharing this message. We pray that this testimony reaches the masses. This is just another way and another tool for us to do ministry effectively through evangelism, through the airwaves. Mudville Podcast, this is the last show of the season. Looking forward to seeing who we have next year. You guys, we just wanna pray that you have a great holiday. You have a blessed Christmas. Spend time with the family. Matter of fact, when you're with your family, Throw one of these podcasts on and watch how God moves and ministers in your house. Coming to a city near you, it's your boy Beans. I'm signing out. Thank you guys, man, from the bottom of our heart. Us at Victory Outreach Stockton. We appreciate you guys. We love you guys. And we pray that you have a blessed holiday. And make sure you share it, man. Tag somebody in the comment section. At somebody in the comment section. Share this video. Let this thing go crazy because this is just another way where people can get reached. Remember, God loves you. God died on the cross for all of us and we all have a story to tell and this is the platform where we do it at right here in Stockton, California, Mudville Podcast. I'll see you guys soon. Peace out, y'all. Yeah.
1: I was nine, but he brought me to life. Found life when he told me to die. When he told me to die. I couldn't hear over the
0: noise in my pride. I couldn't see to leave mud in my life. The devil put work in my city. That's why they need guys word in my city.
2: The devil putting work in my city, that's why they need God's word in my city.